Our Advent reading is found in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. If you have your Bibles with me, won't you turn with me there? Romans 5, the first 11 verses of that chapter. Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Peace, if you think of it in the simplest terms, as people laying down their weapons, is not always what's needed. The last nine months or so have underlined this. Sometimes peace, at least peace in that sense, is simply lazy. A police officer cruelly squeezes the life out of an unarmed man. Or a deadly virus steals silently through an aging population, and we all cry out for someone to do something. It's clear that there are moments when inaction is criminal. We may argue about what the proper response is to a particular crisis, but that some kind of response is required is not in question. So we've heard a lot of talk this year that features aggressive verbs like fighting or beating or stamping out. Such language may be appropriate for the times we live in, or it may not be. But it is beyond dispute that to achieve a peace that is fuller, deeper, longer-lasting, a more superficial peace must, at times, be disrupted. In such times, peace itself appears to be on trial. Ironically, 
irenic detachment, when it ignores the most urgent needs, leads to more conflict. But our God is not like that. Our God acts. Our God descends to provide what we can't. Our passage says, when we were still powerless, helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Of course, our passage highlights the uncomfortable fact that we, though powerless, were the aggressors. The ungodly. Sinners. We are the ones who manufactured the crisis. Our sin was the most urgent need to be addressed. So, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. This is the peace of which the angels sang. This is the peace, lasting, deep, and full, that faith in the Son provides. And he alone provides it. Provides it through death. His death. And yet, as it says, how much more shall we be saved through his life? In other words, the peace on earth the angels talked about is far more than wearily laying down our weapons and passively accepting what comes. The carol we just sang encourages us. And ye, beneath life's heavy load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow, look now, for glad and golden hours come swiftly, on the wing. The peace that the baby in the manger brings us is a peace that does more than endure suffering. This peace causes us, Paul says, to rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces a character that shines through the most severe tests. Such character is characteristically hopeful, Paul says. Now, this is a hope that is at once attractive and frustrating to the world. Attractive because everyone knows there ought to be peace on earth. Frustrating because, try as they might, they never seem to get there. And Christians stubbornly reject the heroes, the objects, and the methods they hope will help them attain this false peace. Rather, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only is this so, we rejoice in God himself through our Lord Jesus Christ. This seems foolish to those who see only the physical inequity and systemic injustice in the world. The peace and hope we hold is disappointing to them because we can't get with their program of peace on earth. But God has given us the Holy Spirit, a seal, a deposit 
guaranteeing our inheritance, Paul says in Ephesians. An inheritance that marvelously proclaims that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God, Paul will go on to say in Romans 8. The love that he has poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit spills into all our interactions and motivates us to meet the needs of those around us with supernatural determination, with supernatural power. We put on, Paul says in yet another place, Colossians, we put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Above all these, he continues, we put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This is all-pervading, active peace. Not merely the absence of conflict, but a comprehensive and constructive worldview, a heart transformation that only the Prince of Peace can bring. He concludes, the peace of Christ rules in our hearts. The peace of Christ is the thing to which indeed we were called in one body and we are thankful. And so now, with thankfulness for our Prince of Peace, we light the peace candle.